Before we get started, are you registered to vote? Exercise your right and register to vote at vote.gov or rockthevote.org. Local elections are very important and have a direct effect on our local community. For my state of Florida, the next local elections are going to be held Tuesday, August 18th. The early voting period begins Saturday, August 8th, and it runs through August 15th. Make sure you check online for all available voting polls. The deadline for registration for this coming local election has passed. Again, local election day for Florida is Tuesday, August 18th. The general election, the presidential election, will be Tuesday, November 3rd. The registration deadline for the general election is on Monday, October 5th. The early voting period for the general election will be October 24th through October 31st. That's one week. You have one week to take advantage of that early voting period. And don't forget, folks, you can also vote by mail. For more information, check out vote.gov and rockthevote.org. back to Perspectives. I'm your host, Eugenio Arana. On today's episode, we revisit an interview from 2016 that I did with associate producer, flag football champion, and former Oklahoma State third baseman, Mariah Gerhardt. We'll get into how her hard work and dedication as a D1 softball player helped shape and mold her sports producing career. Plus, we'll get into some of her superstitions and advice she has for future athletes. Let's take a listen to her perspective. So let's get started. Mariah, you currently hold the National Collegiate Athletic Association record for hit by pitches with 69. All right, not only that, but you also had a career for uh, 348 batting average and 175 hits, both ranked number six in the Oklahoma State Cargo record book and a number of accolades. Thank you for joining us. How does it feel to not be in the world of softball anymore? Um, well, it cracks me up that you looked all that up. Yes. I absolutely love it. Um. <laughs> Gotta do your research, man. Uh, um, not being in the world of softball, it's one of those bittersweet times that actually was just talking to a few of my ex-teammates about this, how this time of year is the most exciting and most bittersweet and also depressing time of year for us as uh, retired student athletes because you're no longer involved in that world, but still being able to watch now and not having the pressures that you had as a student athlete is kind of that refreshing part and just being able to truly enjoy the sport and still being involved in it. I mean, I've been blessed that I was able to work on softball with ESPN and still being involved with the sport in a different type of way. Uh, but you definitely miss it. That miss being a spoiled athlete. Is there any particular like element of, of the regular softball routine that you miss like the most? Like, I don't know, maybe the meals or maybe the road trips? Oh, or maybe? gosh. Road trips, definitely. The mm. bus trips, uh, spending time with my teammates. Those were my sisters. And so being able to honestly have best friends with you all the time. It was definitely like having sisters, though. We definitely got annoyed each other by the end of the season. Um, but the but, people in the same 
same room. Yes. Oh, yes. And rooming together, all of that. Uh, but you miss it, and it's one of those things that you definitely take for granted and miss the camaraderie that you're able to build with people um, in a different type of way because you're all struggling to do the same thing together. You're all getting up at 6 a.m. You're all having that exact same rigorous schedule and having to, at the same time, find a way to win together as well. So that's what I miss the most is my sisters and having that constant family with you all the time. So for game day, like, what would be your preparation on game day? Are you, like, one of those superstitious <laughs> ball players that, like, you know, has to put on her sock with the left one first? Or, you know, I know you, you had mentioned you had that little two, that little two thing going on. But uh, I am that. the most superstitious person ever. Anyone who knew me during my career and for all uh, journalists who interviewed me throughout my career uh, tried to get so many of my superstitions, but that's how superstitious I was, is I would not tell any of my superstitions whatsoever. That was my number one rule. I didn't tell them. I was able to give out a few after I graduated, like I promised, but I uh, still haven't given them all out. But I definitely had a full routine. I ate the exact same thing for morning games, so I had the exact what same breakfast. Uh, McDonald's. Okay, okay, <laughs> wait. I think Ray Allen had to have McDonald's before every game that he, yep. that he played in. You yep. Do. And was it like, was it like a Big Mac? Was it, what was it in particular? McChicken? Um, like? So it started off with Cine Minis, but then when they came out with the Southern Style Chicken Sandwich uh -huh. on the biscuit, oh, that was money. Yep, and two hash browns, not one, because I'm number two, so uh -huh. I had two hash browns with a mocha latte, and then I also had to go and get my white cherry Powerade, and had that every single time, and if they were ever morning. at a white cherry Powerade, my backup was strawberry lemonade. Okay. Every okay. single time, and I always, Strong. always had to finish it halfway, and then during rest of warm-ups is when I would finish it completely, and I always had to finish it before we started the game. Wow. Yep. Every, very meticulous. For every game. <laughs> very, so every game. Every single game. Precise. Okay. Yes, very precise. Interesting, and, and the results, you know, paid off, so that must have had something to do with that. To have a record of hit-by-pitches, like, you must have crowded the plate a lot. You told me that you hit from the right side in college. Yes. Mm, so, what, did you crowd the plate a lot? Like, did pitchers not like that? Did, did Were you known for that, like, you know, by your senior year? <laughs> oh, definitely. I think by my sophomore year, then, every, at least every single pitcher in our conference knew I was going to be right on the chalk line, toes on the chalk line, and I was going to make you throw a perfect inside pitch. If you wanted to throw inside to me, it had to be perfect or it was going to hit me because I took away my instinct to move. And that will uh, that shows, you know, how, how locked in you are as, as a leadoff hitter, but where did that craft come from? Was that how your game developed? Was that because of one of your coaches? Is that How did that develop? Like, 100% credit to my father mm -hmm. who would literally get so upset. For, originally when people would move from a changeup. Mm -hmm. You didn't get it why you were moving from a changeup. It wasn't going to hurt. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like when we were little, you know, when girls are still afraid of a ball and getting hit by it. So it kind of started there, and then as I developed into a leadoff, and it was like, okay, you get on any way that you can, then that's where my dad started, like, why don't we learn how to recognize what pitch is going to hit you? Because during, when I still played, the NCAA rule was that you had to make an attempt to move out of the way. You couldn't just stand there. If you didn't make an attempt, then you mm -hmm. had to stay in the box. You just turn your shoulder. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that was where we mastered my attempt to move without actually getting out of the way. And that they've actually changed that rule now, which is interesting, because I wonder how many more I would have had. So I love that it's so much easier for everyone else to get hit by pitches. Uh -huh. Not that it's a super proud record of mine. Because <laughs> people used to say that um, Barry Bonds had that shoulder pad, uh -huh. which, you know, obviously gives you a couple maybe more inches over the plate. More guts. I did not wear one of those. Uh -huh. I wore um, one at the end of my senior year, like toward the middle of the end, because I had gotten hit in my elbow, and it, would, it could possibly... Uh, 
in produce into a stress fracture if I got hit again. So I started wearing one for a little bit until it healed up. Mm. But I didn't like wearing it just because of that. Like I didn't want to give That's myself any advantage yeah. like that just because everybody was already accusing me of leaning over the plate and all of those things. But it definitely was something that I considered an art that I mastered. And what, like, did you get hit in on your inside shoulder like often was that the location or was it like your thigh was it like your ankle was it I feel like my thigh definitely the most um, I I learned how to protect my kneecap because that was the other thing that a lot of people thought that I would get hit a lot but that was one of the things of how I maneuvered and so my thigh was actually where I got hit the very most right in the back of the thigh you know once you turned those are the ones that I got hit the very most um, most awkward place was across both of my butt cheeks oh shit that must have hurt uh, it, it was on fire it was very funny I, I can't even imagine and what like, what was uh, what picture did you face that had you know the, the most velocity on? Was that was that the same picture that was lucky enough to hit? Um, I did get hit by Kalani Ricketts, which is probably the fastest one that I hit by. But it definitely wasn't the one that lasted the longest. The bruise that lasted the longest was my own pitcher, actually that hit me in practice, and that was the longest lasting bruise that we almost had her sign just because it had lasted so long over any others. Because I always knew I, I would have a collection on my legs or wherever it was, and I remembered who had hit each one to see like who lasted the longest. And uh, yep, my own pitcher owns that record. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. She gets a trophy for, for hit by pitches. Um, so, talk, so, it sounds like you put a lot of preparation, you know, obviously lots of reps to be an athlete. You have to put in those reps, you know, outside of, you know, game time in order to be successful during game time. Um, what was, take us through your preparation routine. Like, how, how did you take practice? How did you, how did those development skills help you, you know, translate them into the field? Um, credit to my father again. Um, he was definitely the one that was working out with me all the time. He was the best coach and personal trainer I ever had, and he definitely is the one that helped create my work ethic to the extent to where I was the one telling him I wasn't done yet. I never wanted to end on something bad. I always had to end up on a good note, and I always had goals every single practice. It was like, okay, what do we need to work on today? Instead of just going out there and hitting for 20 minutes, you know, my dad taught me how to make a goal for myself every single practice. What is it that we're going to get better at today? And that was where my work ethic came from. So if it was, okay, I need to get better at this, I'm not leaving the field until I'm better at this. And so that was how my work ethic developed in preparation for every single game. All right, if I knew that their first baseman was weak, then my practice was how am I going to get my bunt to get to the first baseman? Because Uh if I'm going to bunt, that's where I want to get it. If I knew when I was struggling on inside pitches because being crowding the plate that was the one thing I had to make sure that if a girl could throw an inside pitch that I could still hit it so if that was what I was struggling with making sure that that was what I worked on and always working on my weaknesses and working extra hard on my strengths to make sure that they didn't become my weaknesses my mom was the academic one you know she was she was good with her grades and so she always struggled with me in high school like Mariah study Mariah you have SATs maybe you should study and I never got it until my, I got to college and and I learned how to take my my competitive nature into academics as well. And I think having the reward of Academic All-American and a lot more rewards for academics is kind of what drove me. Versus in high school, you didn't really have that as much except for, you know, okay, yeah, you, you graduate. That was it. And so having that motivation, there was a lot more reward and something that I worked toward and 
being a student athlete, kind of always being more prepared. You know, one of the things that I realized was a word for me too is if I had all my work done, then I didn't have stress later on in the week or I was able to go out on our one day off that we had. So there was, on top of, you know, academic awards, there was also things every single week that I got to reward myself with as well. I get to go out. I get to go have dinner with my teammates versus, oh, I have to write a paper because I didn't do it two days ago because I decided to sleep in or do something else that night. I mean, setting my priorities was something that I had to learn how to then take my competitive nature, my work ethic, and apply it to academics as well so that I could enjoy all the other things of being a student athlete. So that being said, like, how has your competitive side and your, and your softball instincts translated onto your career as a media professional with ESPN, the worldwide leader? Um, this has definitely been my dream job. I've uh, been saying it, I think, since middle school was when I decided, like, I want to work for ESPN. I mean, to say that my job is sports is something that I've always thought that was would be a dream come true. And so to be able to work for something that I made a goal for myself when I was younger, it was a perfect opportunity. And that competitive drive, once again, and my work ethic kind of applied in getting this job. So realizing I had to stay away from math and science, I realized that my strength was writing. I was really good at writing. So that's when I started leaning towards journalism. And then I was watching the news one day and I'm like, I could do that. Like I've been doing interviews and talking on camera since I was 10 because all my all my teammates were scared to talk on camera. I can do that. And that was when the light bulb came on and I started looking into it more and it was one of those things like my family started really backing me up and then like actually you would be really good on camera. You would be really good at this and when I took my SATs and realized that my only good score was in writing, it was okay, journalism might be the thing. And then I found Oklahoma State in sports media and then it opened up the entire world of sports media and production, broadcasting, the entire spectrum. So fast forward to the present day, um, uh, this opportunity that now we're all in Orlando. Well, the five of us are now in Orlando. <laughs> um, um, how has, one, your love for softball, um, uh, your realization of, of, of knowing that media wanted that you wanted media to be part of your life. How, do, how does all that tie in into being an AP for Remy? The one thing that I love to tell everyone about being a student athlete and especially young kids, I mean women especially, but young athletes that are debating if they want to play college sports is being a student athlete prepares you for life in general, but even more for whatever profession that you choose because everything that requires to be a successful student athlete is what I'm realizing has prepared me to be successful at my job and to not be drowning in this crazy real life that is a complete difference from being a student athlete and oh, yeah. being spoiled and you think that you have it hard and just all the things that real life throws at you even more. And then on top, oh, try and keep your job too. And especially working with ESPN, which is a very competitive environment. Um, it's something being a student athlete has helped me with though because that competitive part isn't hard. That's something that is natural at least from being a student athlete and being an athlete my whole life. The competitive part isn't hard. That's something that's natural. And so that's what's helped prepare me for something that I've noticed other people having to take that competitive nature and apply it to their job is not something that's as natural then. They have to focus on it. They have to 
realize the extra effort that it takes, where the extra effort for me now is, okay, instead of getting up at 6 a.m., how am I going to work in a workout because I have to be in at work at 6 a.m.? <laughs> like yeah. that, for me, it's getting everything else around versus just all of the struggles that you get from adjusting to a work life. Um, everything else that I have to do now is this honestly not much different than what I've been doing my entire life because all of the multitasking that goes on and juggling, okay, what do I have to get done first so that I am prepared, communicating with people, working with a team, which is what we do every single day, you know, you can do your job great, but if you're not being able to help somebody else out, then the team can still fail and we have bad production on the table because you doing your job alone sometimes isn't enough. Mm -hmm. And being able to excel in more than just your area is something that I feel like I've already been prepared to do being a student athlete my entire life and has definitely prepared me for this profession. Absolutely. I mean, again, back to our preparation is key. I mean, those those some of the fundamental skills that you've learned, one, by playing softball alone and be able to do whatever it takes to get that, get your team to the promised land and now like in life where you apply you know if I have to put in extra effort to be successful in my job and it's such a competitive market I need to put in those you know extra hours of BP or I need to take those extra ground balls you know exactly um, we already talked about your preparation for softball games on your game day are you as superstitious in your preparation for being an AP and working in graphic how is your preparation for uh, for the AP position at Remy? I wouldn't say I have as many superstitions but kind of how I was very organized with my superstitions is kind of what I've taken in with being an AP now. The organization part is probably the one thing that I take the most pride in because the more organized I am, then the less confusion there is. So you know, that one hour of prep is before game time. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, I mean, getting as, once again, that's where priority comes in, getting as far ahead as you possibly can because a lot of last things come up. I mean, you have breaking news even in live events. You know, anything can happen at any time. You think that you have time to do something, you're wrong because something else is going to take up that time. So I've, you've seen it where sometimes where I'm like an hour before a game and I have everything done, I'm like, there's something else that needs to be done. It's kind of that. It's almost like if you take away one of my superstitions, I'm like, I'm missing something. That's where my level now is like, okay, constantly make sure that everything is off, off of my checklist, making sure I'm ahead and always feeling like you have to be doing something because there's always, that's what I love about graphics is kind of the same way where as an athlete, you know, my dad was always like, oh, you hit a home run. Well, you could have hit it farther if you did this. I have that same mentality as an athlete, and now I've taken it into my profession as well. Oh, okay, I didn't have any spelling mistakes this game, but I could have done a better job of selling this or prepping this or how could I have made a graphic better. There's always, like, there's no perfect graphic. There's always something that you possibly could have done better, whether it was the actual graphic or the presentation of it or the follow-up. What could I have sold off of my graphic? that could have been a video package that even though it's not me doing it that I could have told my team member to do to make it overall my graphic even better mm. and then make that someone else on my team look good too and then it makes our producer look good and it's a whole trickle effect so that's one thing that I think I enjoy very much about graphics is it's not a superstition thing per se but the organization and that constant strive to make my product better 
to then also make our entire product better as a team. What's your preparation like um, uh, for Remy? Like, take us through all the way up to game time. Like, what are you doing? Uh, the very first thing, most of the time, that you can do, I mean, if you have, um, if you don't have game notes yet on the teams, that sometimes is what you're waiting for from the SIDs, which is particular paperwork for that matchup from each team. So it's where you have stats and nuggets about each player, how the team is doing, where they're ranking um, in each of their categories. So if you don't have that yet, being able to do your own research on the teams, that conference, and then national spectrum as well. The one thing that you can always talk about if you don't have specifics on the teams yet is what is going on in your sport. Because not, when you have blowouts, then you can always talk big picture. So having that knowledge, at least, is always the first thing in my prep is to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have a couple days off and it's like, okay, let's catch up. If I wanted to take a break from basketball for a day, now I have to catch up and see what was going on. So making sure I know what's going on, especially in our conference and in the sport that I'm covering. Um, and then rosters probably would be your next check as soon as you mm -hmm. double check all the names so that all the little name fonts you see at the bottom are all, cor are all, all correct. By, yep. by one AP out there, for all you fans <laughs> at home who are just watching a game and see graphics and like, think it's no big deal, there's one poor AP out there who has worked on it all week just so you could see it for two seconds. Exactly. And I, that's one of the things that I take most pride in is double checking those rosters because as an athlete, that could be for, I know, walk-ons and some um, kids that didn't get in a whole lot. Their first time on television, and as a softball player, that could have been their one at bat that they got. And if their name is spelled wrong, that is devastating to not just that athlete, but the entire family. Yes. <laughs> like, as you know, mom and dad are watching the whole family. Oh, Tina's on TV, and oh, that's not Trina. <laughs> exactly. Who's Trina? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's one thing as a student athlete I take the most pride in is making sure those names are right because for me, I know that would be devastating. I mean, Gearhart got spelled wrong a lot and it got mispronounced a lot. Oh. So, so it's personal. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> so if I, that's my job, I'm gonna make sure that a player's name is spelled right, and that's probably my number one pet peeve. Is if I get a player's name wrong on a graphic, I am devastated. It's like missing someone's birthday. Like I am the worst person in the world because I spelled their name wrong. <laughs> okay. So. Um I know we had talked about this earlier, um, uh, you know, while we're, while we're having bullpen talk during games, but um, um, you didn't, didn't necessarily um, have a baseball um, uh, inspir like athlete or inspirational athlete because you didn't really watch baseball. Nope. Uh, never. I went to, being in San Diego and growing up in California, I went to a lot of San Diego Padre games. But I never, Ken Caminetti was like my favorite player wow, growing Ken up. Ken Caminetti, yeah, nice. Definitely. Third baseman, uh -huh, power guy, oh, yes. size of the play. I know, so funny, right? Like nothing like the type of player that I was in any way. <laughs> but I just really, really liked him growing up. So I was probably the only player, baseball player I really admired. But I never was really like a true Padre fan. The more I kept playing softball, the more I honestly started to hate baseball because it was so much slower and just boring, honestly. I liked going to the games with my family, but I never truly like enjoyed the sport of baseball. I like softball. Mm. And um, when I started watching Olympic softball, when it started to get big, like when they won the 96 Olympics, that was like the biggest thing when I was little. And being able to watch them play in the Olympics, that was like my dream. I was like, I can do that. And that was when softball really became my passion. And Jessica Mendoza has been my idol since I was a little girl. Mm. That was, I mean, my mom wore number two, and that's why I started wearing it. And also because normally it was one of the smallest jerseys, so it was the only one that fit me. Mm -hmm. uh, but I definitely grew to love number two 
because of my mom, but definitely even more because of Jessica Mendoza. She wow. wore number two. She was my idol growing up. I started off in the outfield, so and I was normally one of the faster girls, so I was in center field a lot. She played center field, so growing up, she really became like my idol to watch as a softball player. Natasha Watley was one of my other ones, and getting to play against them was dream come true my freshman year in college. Mm -hmm. um, but they were, I mean, that was probably for me best thing in the world is I didn't have a baseball player to idolize. I had actual women and women playing my sport that I got to admire and idolize growing up playing softball. How proud are you? Uh, I know you, you're obviously a fan of, uh, of Jessica Mendoza, the athlete, but how proud are you of the fact that she's in, working for the same firm that we're working for and now is signed throughout um, uh, the next year to be an analyst? It is absolutely amazing uh, to think that she's been my idol since I was a little girl as a softball player, but now she's like my idol in every single way. As a person, I'm blessed that I was able to meet her because I I've been able to work with her, and she is just literally one of the greatest people I know on this planet. I love her so much in every single way. She has created so many paths for women on the field and off the field now. There's nothing that she can't do. Like she's I really cannot good. think of anything that she can't do, and she's so she is so driven to literally accomplish everything that she possibly can in every single way. And as a mom to having a family and being happily married, I mean, as a woman, there's so much to admire from her. And I could now like knowing her personally, like I could not be more proud of her. And to know that she's been my idol in every single way now is something that I hope like. I can teach my girls, my children, my sister, this is the type of people that you idolize because there's a lot of things in society now that can throw young girls off of what, the type of woman that they should be and I'm so blessed to know someone even on a personal level like Jessica Mendoza and to be able to say like this is genuinely the way that women should be inspired. I'm going to ask you a series of rapid-fire questions. Some of them might be dealing with softball, some of them might not. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we're going to go ahead and shoot. All right, so, fishing or rock climbing? Rock climbing. Rock climbing? Terrible at fishing. Uh -huh. I hated it. Uh -huh. Pepsi or Coke? Pepsi. Pepsi? Okay, it's see Pepsi. Um, uh, three things you take on an island if you're stranded. Uh, a softball. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and okay. probably a bat too. Oh, okay. So not. Uh, so you don't have food now. Like I hope your your third choice at least uh, at least can keep you healthy. Yeah, ramen noodles. Ramen noodles. That's all you need in your life. Ramen yep. noodles, a softball, and a bat. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Mm -hmm. uh, a bag of chips or chocolate? Chocolate. I'll take every day. Reese's. <laughs> um, if you could be any athlete in the year 2016, you would be? Jessica Mendoza. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Awesome, awesome. Rawlings or Wilson? Wilson. Wilson? Yeah. Uh, was that, does that the glove that you use? Do you use Wilson brand, brand gloves? Um, honestly, I'm Mizuno. I'm Mizuno? Team, okay, team Nike and Team Mizuno. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because I was going to say, the next question was going to be for Bats, Louisville Slugger, or Mizuno. But I guess Mizuno. Uh, for bats, though. It's different. Okay, so for gloves, Mizuno, and for bats. I don't. I was saying I don't want to put down our sponsor at Oklahoma State. They've gotten better, but uh -huh. I wasn't a, fan, a huge fan of our bats. And Jessica Mendoza is sponsored by Louisville Slugger, so. Okay. Okay. We got you. So we'll go with Louisville Slugger on that. What would be, let's say, the best career advice you can give somebody? Um, uh, who might possibly be interested in a life in media or in sports media. Honestly, my best advice applies to 
I think any area of work, but networking is no doubt the biggest thing ever. Like, not to be shy, and that doesn't mean you have to be the most personable person. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people out there that are just shy, and you know, they may be introverts, and it's not natural for them to speak to people, but just introducing yourself to everybody that you meet because you never know who could be your boss one day you never know who could be that person to give you an opportunity to give you your dream job or even just a job when you absolutely need something mm -hmm. at the end of the day we all need money we all need work and whether it's something that you love and you're passionate about or something that you just need until you get that dream job you never know who can be that person so networking is my best advice introduce yourself to everyone even if you think they're not important in the moment introduce yourself to everybody you meet express a genuine interest in what everyone is doing because you change every single four years your opinions change your ideas change and you learn something new every single day in this real world in real life and something that may not interest you today may interest you in four years that could lead you to the most interesting thing you've ever done and become your dream job so getting to know everyone is definitely my number one advice Mariah Gerhardt thank you very much for joining us Do you know your election dates and deadlines? For my state of Florida, the next local elections are going to be held on Tuesday, August 18th. The early voting period begins Saturday, August 8th through August 15th. Check for available voting polls. The deadline for registration for this coming local election has passed. Again, local election day for Florida is Tuesday, August 18th. The general election, where we will vote for our president, will be Tuesday, November 3rd. The registration deadline for the general election is Monday, October 5th. The early voting period for the general election will be October 24th through October 31st. That's one week. We have one week before election day where we're free to go in and take advantage of early voting. Follow us on all social media platforms, Apple Music and Spotify, and especially check out thepowerculture.com where you can stream or listen to all of the perspective episodes, along with more content focusing on culture, news, music, and art. PowerCulture.com. Peace.